That was a nice move by Pipkins, taking it right to the rack himself. Wide open three, left wing, and it's good. Nylon, the dunk likes that, Matt. A three from the right side, and it's good! The one, Pipkins, go man, yet again. Hello, and welcome to the Flex. I'm Matt St. Jean. And once again, on another loss, this is Joe Howie. Yep, this is uh, our final, likely to be our final game recap episode of the season. Friars falling to DePaul in the opening round of the Big East tournament, 70-62. to After leading 36-35 at the half, the Friars put together a subpar second half. Defensive effort wasn't there. The shots couldn't fall on offense. And the Friars end the season 13-13. and I would say unlikely to get an NIT bid. I, I think there's a chance We're not that getting that an NIT happened. bid. We're not yeah, getting I, to the NIT. Yeah, this loss is a pretty bad one. Friars beat DePaul twice this season. Both of the games were relatively close. And play them a third time. Things don't go your way. Joe, what were your initial takeaways? Well, first thing I did after aggressively shutting off the TV is think that I wasted two paid time off days from work tomorrow and Friday because now I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. I sure as hell am not watching the rest of this tournament. I can tell you that much. So I don't know what I'm going to do for the next two days. Probably sit and sulk. But th- this is the perfect exclamation point on what has been the most underwhelming season I've ever seen from a college basketball program. I mean, really, you you sweep the team, the team that only got two conference wins, and then you let them beat the doors off you the entire second half in the first round of the Big East tournament. I mean, how embarrassing, one. And, and two, Dave Lato's probably going to get fired in the offseason for the the subpar performance he's brought to DePaul for the past five seasons, and you let him and his team have it with you guys. I I mean, I feel bad for Nate Watson because this very well could have been his last game in the Friar uniform, and that's how he has to get remembered. Yeah, Watson and Horkler were the the two bright spots for the Friars on an otherwise pretty dreary day, dreary night game. Uh, Watson leads the team with 18, Horkler with 17, um, and they both led the team in rebounds, too. Nine for Watson, seven for Horkler. Those are the two guys who were likeliest to not return next year. And they put together strong performances. I think you can't really object a whole lot with the, the performances they put together, especially Horkler had four of the team's seven made three-pointers. Yeah. I, 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 it's a real shame because Horkler really turned it on late. Watson's been your horse all season, but from top to bottom, from coaching staff to to Andrew Fonts, the last player off the bench, you you couldn't put it together the entire season, and tonight it was on full display. You had every opportunity tonight to beat the doors off DePaul and make it to the next round of the Big East tournament, but instead we folded. We wilted like a flower. Yep. And, I mean, you just you look across the score sheet and you see a team that was not locked in. Like in the eye test, they were not locked in, and it's evident. Absolutely not. I mean, you look at... Absolutely not. The Friars only shot 35% from the field, shot 27% from beyond the arc, barely made 50% of their free throws, 15 to 29 from the free throw line, and had 16 turnovers to 10 assists, plus got out-rebounded by 11. And that's just... 
That's the thing. Like the def- I don't think I think there's a lot of people that have mentioned the defense and the defensive effort. It wasn't good enough, but it's not like it wasn't there. Providence forced 15 turnovers as well, and they held DePaul to four of 16 from beyond the arc. DePaul didn't hit a lot of free throws either. They missed 10. It's, I mean, the free throws are bad, but that, that's more evident of the lack of discipline of this team right now. And DePaul, DePaul made the open looks that they were able to create, and they created more open looks, and the Friars just missed open shot after open shot. Yeah, I, I mean, the offense was was poor, but this season, I'll, I'll actually give them a, a little token. This season, our defense at times, at times, all caps at times, has been able to make up for it. But when you've got guys like Greg Gant, you know, not boxing out, watching Charlie Moore pull threes in front of his face, and then you've got other guys like, uh, let's see, who, who do I want to pick on? Uh, Bynum and Duke getting beat off the dribble by Charlie Moore. It's like, why bother? It's almost like they said, ah, you know, we'll we'll come in and we're going to beat DePaul and we don't really have to try. No, you have to try. With every team in the conference, you have to try. And what's worse, what makes this worse, DePaul is playing for nothing. They have four wins on the entire season. Their coach is more than likely getting fired in the offseason. It's not like you're, you're playing, like you, you got a chip on your shoulder, you, you're on the bubble. Like They have absolutely nothing to play for, and that's why they won. They played with so much joy and so much energy. It's all, like We technically didn't have anything to play for either. And here we are. We're, we're losing on Wednesday night in the Big East tournament. It's the same season as two seasons ago. We're separated by one sneaky good season that took six games to get there. But here we are, the underachieving Friars. Yep. And I think the most disappointing part about this is it has to be the play in the backcourt. I mean, Bryson Goodine was the bright spot. He was the, yes, the he was. spark plug. And he also had five rebounds. I mean, he had a pretty complete performance, eight points off the bench. Duke. He was great seven, defensively. Yeah, he was. But Duke, seven points, Bynum, five points. Each two of nine from the floor combined over seven from beyond the arc. Just, I mean, they, they both rebounded and they both had assists, but too many turnovers from both of them. I mean, obviously, when you have 16 turnovers, there's too many turnovers from everybody. From everybody. Yeah. But they just didn't hit shots. And especially, I mean, Duke was barely taking shots in the second half. He took a shot with, he took his first shot in the second half with about 17 minutes remaining. He didn't take another shot until under four minutes left. Um, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna attribute that to, to coaching. You know, I, I'm not, you and I are not big on the fire at Cooley or the we're better coaches, but obviously the coach calls the offensive sets. The mm. coach tells the point guard what to do. Duke's, if Duke is taking two shots and one of them is like an impromptu three at the end of the shot clock, what does that tell you? They're not drawing plays for him. Uh, and by the way, I understand that that Duke and Bynum share the point, and I think that's kind of a given at this point in the season. But it's been proven so many times that Duke is a better scorer, so it, it sickens me to see Bynum playing the two so, so as often as he does. It, it really sickens me. It, it's like Bynum, you brought Bynum in to be a table setter. Let him do that. Play Duke off the ball. I just I don't understand that process. Yeah, and, and you go back to the starting lineup. The starting lineup for this oh, game God, is the yeah. same as it was for Villanova. They go with the bigger lineup, Duke, Reeves, Gant, Horkler, Watson. And that lineup was just not particularly effective. 
And I will say, just like he did at the start of the Villanova game, Gantt seemed remarkably sharp and confident in the opening minutes. And then that faded pretty quickly. Horkler didn't start the game very strong. He didn't get going until later in the first half. And Duke just never really seemed to find his game tonight. So when that lineup was on the floor, the only guy that was doing anything for you was Watson. And when there's only one guy that's doing anything on offense, it's pretty easy for the defense to take it away, even when the guy is as good as Watson. And he still got 18 points. I mean, he still had a great night, but one guy can only do so much, especially when it's a true center who's, I mean, he's not a guy who's going to kick out and hit threes. He's playing in the paint the whole game. There's only so much he can do by himself. Especially when he's getting triple team too, Matt. That's a great point. You know, we talk a lot about Nate Watson being the horse of this team. There's only so much he can do when he's being triple teamed. You need other guys to start hitting shots, especially if you're going to put out a, a a lackluster, shitty defense. Excuse my French. That That's really what it was tonight. But And I think when you look at that starting five, the, 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 the two major disappointments were A.J. Reeves and Greg Gant on the wing. Uh, really, d- defensively, offensively, excuse me, Reeves was turning the ball over left and right. Gant, like you said, he he gets out of the gate hot and then he steps out of bounds with the ball. He doesn't catch passes. He's not boxing out. It's like, why are those two starting? And I know you're going to start Reeves, but with as inconsistent as he's been, I I don't know. And it's it's notable. I mean, Reeves got outplayed by Goodine, which is obvious. I mean, Goodine took more shots and had more points, had more rebounds, less turnovers, and more minutes played. So, I mean, yep. that's... He deserved it. Deserved yeah, every and, second. But to go with that, I mean, Reeves only took four shots all game. And it, and I think, I mean, I, I, the big reason for why... I mean, as as much as we've criticized Greg Gant, I mean, he's also only taking two shots the entire game. Reeves, only four shots. Duke, basically not shooting in the second half. Breed, barely played and only took one shot. Some of these guys, I mean, the reason that's happening... It's turnovers. The offense isn't efficient. The, the guys are not passing very crisply and or, or with any kind of purpose. And when that happens, you're not passing into open looks or even worse, you're passing to the other team. So that's what's taking field goal attempts away from some of these guys, too. And that's I mean, that's not on coaching. That's, that's on the players. They got to make better decisions. You just got to at some point, the players just have to play better basketball. And I mean, all season long. We know that they're capable of playing good basketball, but they haven't put it together. Now, with the season over, only three times did they win more than one game at a time. They had one three-game winning streak, one two-game streak, and another two-game streak. That's it. You can, if you can even call two games a winning streak. Let's see, just can't do it call consistently. Call that lucky. With this team, yeah. I call that lucky. And... You know, there's a lot there's a lot of narratives that, that float around there in the college basketball space about, you know, you can't be too hard on these guys. They're college athletes. And, you know, given the circumstances, I agree. Given the circumstances of this season, for those players to go months and months without seeing their families, I could never do that. So, obviously, we respect the hell out of them for that. And we tip our caps to, to one, this team, Providence, who had no COVID pauses, by the way. I've been yeah, waiting all season to, to say this. Props they to them for they that. were one of the only teams in the Big East to do that right. Not Villanova, not Xavier, not DePaul. All those teams had some sort of COVID break. The program and the players did an excellent job of staying, doing the right thing and staying isolated. Yeah. And 
I feel for them because Nate Watson, his father's his biggest fan. Kevin McNamara wrote a great article on it. He probably hasn't seen him in months. So, yes. He was at the game tonight. This was, yeah, this was probably the first time he's seen him in a while. Yeah. But with that said, when you're a college basketball athlete, you go, to call, you go and you get a free higher-level education. A lot of people are in debt up to their ears for this education. You get it for, for free. You get a ton of free gear, right, the shoes, all that gear. And by the way, a lot of these players are playing with aspirations to play at the next level. David Duke, Nate Watson, these guys are out there to be judged and critiqued so that they can play at the next level. So at some point, it, you have to accept that it's okay to critique these guys. It, it, when you play on te- national television, you subject yourself to critique, even yeah. if they're they're 18 to 22 year olds. Yeah, and it's not. And that's why I mean, I guess you can blame the coaches, but the players share responsibility for this. Uh, yes. I'm just gonna I'm gonna go back for a second because there's one thing. Uh, one stat that I think also says a lot about how the team played in the second half, zero second chance points. They had nine in the first half, zero in the second half. And that's, I mean, that's your difference maker right there. Obviously you missed too many free throws, but both teams did that. You miss a lot of shots. Both teams did that. The second chance points went away in the second half. They couldn't crash the boards and get those looks. And when they got the looks, they couldn't hit them. And that's, I mean, you lose by eight points. That helps you a lot. And, I mean, you can credit DePaul for boxing out and doing a lot of the things right, but the shot selection at times was really poor for Providence. And yep. the, the effort on the – I mean, the effort was just not there in the second half as it, can, as it needed to be. At least not consi- – it wasn't there consistently all game long. And we were not crashing the glass at all in the second half. And, Matt, to, just to build on your point real quick, when – You've got when Dave Lado is planning for Nate Watson, you're going to throw bodies in the paint, right? When Nate Watson is the only man trying to rebound, when you have five men over six foot three on the floor, that's a problem. And when the three pointers you're taking, when the mid range jump shots when you're taking, when the easy layups that you're missing aren't going in, and you only have one man rebounding, trying to out rebound four other guys, no wonder there's no second chance points. No one crashes this. This team has had no presence offensively. Well, other than Nate, or defensively in the paint for the entire season. And tonight it was on full display. Yeah. No, I mean, it, and it's like we, we've been saying it all season long. You're absolutely spot on there, Joe. And this is, I mean, you can compare this to so many past games this season, but I don't think you have to go back that far. Look at the loss at St. John's. I mean, this feels so similar to that in that in the second half, the team just never got going. And that's, I mean, that's been the story all year long. Second halves, they haven't gotten going. The defense, DePaul scored 35 points in both halves. So you can say what you want about the defense. The defense wasn't as good as it needed to be, but they weren't atrocious. And that was actually consistent from half to half in this one, unlike what we've seen in the past. It was the offense's turn. And like, it's at the end of the day, sometimes your players just have to hit shots. And this is something for anybody that, have listened to us at all in our WDOM days. I go back to 2017, I think it would have been fall of 2017 when the Friars lost at URI. This was the Friars team that went on to play in the Big East Championship that year. Why did they lose that game? And a lot of reasons, turnovers, and they didn't hit the shots they needed to. That's what basketball is about at the end of the day. You're going to get a certain number of looks. These guys are all talented. You're going to get a certain number of quality looks. You got to hit them when you get them. 
And yeah. I think we've seen time and time again with Ed Cooley teams that they don't always hit them consistently. It's why he, why this team usually wins with defense. The, if the defense pitches uh, basically a shutout, then it doesn't matter. If, and if the offense has a good day, then you're looking at some of those blowout wins the Friars had at the end of last season. If the offense has a bad day, you're looking at the win they had at Villanova last year, where you're still you're pulling it out by four, and it's 58-54. That's how Ed Cooley likes to do it, where the defense is going to have this amazing game, and if the offense is on, great. If not, you can still grind out the win. This year, defense doesn't play to that level, puts the pressure on the offense to do way more, and I think we expected a lot more from the offense than what we got this year. And that's up and down the lineup. Obviously, no Jimmy Nichols right now, and you miss his presence on offense. But yep. you need somebody else to step up. There's too much, at least there's supposed to be too much talent on this offense for it to be playing like this. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to gather my thoughts here because I've been th- – I don't know why this game is hitting me so much harder than every other loss this season. Um I think it's because I expected more out of us against DePaul, the team that won two conference games and literally has nothing to play for because their head coach is probably gone next season. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I, I think John Fanta made made a point in our State of the Friars podcast that is really is really going under the radar right now. It's these kids did not have a summer session to practice, and because of the COVID outbreak at PC, because of an off-campus party, they could not practice until – early October, I, I think the the preseason preparation really killed this team because, again, we did things the right way. UConn was posting pictures in August that they were practicing. They went on COVID pauses. Villanova was practicing in August. They went on COVID pauses. I think the teams that were antsy and wanted to get things done early, they wound up being better in the long run, but they went on the COVID pauses. We did everything the right way, and look what happened. But regardless – this team did not see any in-season growth with the exception of Noah Horkler. And when I mean in-season growth, I mean Luan Pipkins learning how to defend. I mean Khalif Young learning that his role is not offensive and that his role is defensive and that mm-hmm. him and Nate are going to play checkers. That's in-season growth, mental, physical, talent-based. There was none of that this season. The only person that got any sort of in-season growth was Noah Horkler, and it's because his minutes went up. He became comfortable in conference play, and Ed finally started playing him more than Jimmy and more than Greg. But this team did not grow at all in season. It was stagnant. So, yes, there was no preparation period in the summer and in the fall, but there was also no in-season growth, which begs the question, what is that multimillion-dollar facility doing? Yeah. What, why is it sitting there? Why did I take a tuition increase for it if, it, <laughs> if there's no in-season growth? I mean, come on. There are no, shareholders I- here. And I think your point's well taken about the offseason because especially on defense, that time is incredibly important. You don't get that at the beginning of the year. And I think in some ways, at least, the defense improved throughout the season. It never it never got to be where it should have been. It never got to be consistent. But it was a little bit better by the end of the season than it was at the beginning. But, I mean, I'm on Ken Palm right now, just updated with the results of this game. Do you want to know how much the Friars' rank changed with this loss, Joe? What, like a point? Nothing. It didn't move. Which I think says a lot. The Friars played like they did all year long. Even though they were expected to win this game, they didn't look all that different than they have in any other game. 
it's just when the shots go their way, they win. When the shots don't go their way, they lose. Most of the games were pretty close all year long, except for a handful where they got blown out, unless they're playing much worse competition like Fairfield in the opener. Yeah. Um... And the team, I mean, since the loss at Indiana... Team got the highest the team got was 57 on Ken Palm. The team actually got to 57 on Ken Palm after the loss at Marquette. Since then, they dropped off, finished the season right now at 73. Offense is 90, defense is 67. Your effective field goal percentage for the offense was 250th. That's what I'm talking about when it comes to making shots. You're just that that's what's holding the offense back right there. It's not a terrible offense, but by Power Six conference standards, it's bad. Yep, I just I'm at such a loss right now. I, I because you know why I I feel like I'm repeating the same 2018 2019 season all over again. It just this feels so familiar. This is such a familiar feeling of losing and being frustrated and looking for answers and. Blaming the facility, blaming the coaching, blaming it feels so familiar. And if we didn't go on that six game run last year, we would have felt the same way last March. It was gonna be it's more just, the same. It's just I don't know what's going on. I, I think, you know, especially next year, and we'll go into this much more in depth in our next pod, but I, I think we have to prepare ourselves that this is probably going to be a consistent bottom half of the Big East team in the next couple of years because it realistically, Watson, Horkler, and Duke are all gone. I really don't think David Duke deserves to go to the NBA. If anything, he proved his second team ranking correct. He proved yeah. that correct tonight. If anything, yeah. Watson should have been first team. Duke can sit on the second team because his inconsistencies were shining tonight. Yeah, no, but, I mean, you're, you're spot on. <laughs> but looking forward... If our starting five next year is Bynum, Goodine, Reeves, Gant, Croswell, we're going to be the team that has four wins on the season playing at the the 9 o'clock game, 11-6. That's going to be us next year. We'll be DePaul. Yeah. And obviously we'll see what happens with who comes back. That's going to be the major story to watch. But as we said all season, I think the obvious, the obvious part of this offense that was missing was Lawan Pipkins in that, and Kyron Cartwright. There's no guard that is a shot maker. We saw bits and pieces of that with Bynum. And he had a couple really nice moves tonight where he set himself up for a shot. Um, He's got potential there, but it's also kind of obvious that he isn't the quickest athlete or the most explosive athlete in the world. And I don't know how much better he's going to get at creating his own looks. He could get really good. I wouldn't bank on it. Duke at this point, I mean, he's played three years here, and at no point has re- he really been a shot creator for himself. So I think that's obvious with him. You need a guard that can do things, <laughs> that can run the offense. All of these guards look like they're trying to pass the setup a shot for somebody else, except when everybody's doing that, nobody wants to be the guy to take the shot. Defenses know that. They play up, and nobody's getting open. Nobody's... And it, it seems obvious at both ends of the floor, nobody's playing quick enough. Nobody's quick enough to separate on offense, and nobody's quick enough to stay with their man on defense all year long. Yeah, you're you're right, Matt. And I, I want to go back to the broadcast for a second here and quote Tim Brando and Bill Raff. They were talking about the Friars and, and 
Tim Brando said, you know, Ed Cooley always gets his guys to play well at Madison Square Garden. Raph responds with, you look at guys in the past. They brought up Kyron Cartwright and Bryce Cotton, two notable Friar guards who really, you know, cemented their careers playing in the Big East tournament, right? Cartwright yeah. played the best ball of his career in that magical run in 2018. And obviously everyone knows what Bryce Cotton did. I don't have to explain that to you. <laughs> at the same time they were talking about this, the camera panned over to David Duke. And I I don't know if that was the the broadcast team trying to signify something, but the opportunity has been here for the this entire season for David Duke to reach inside and, and pull that dog player out, that Kyron Cartwright turnaround jump shot on, who was that, Phil Booth? It, there, the opportunity was there. Did Duke perform this season? Hell yeah. I don't think anyone else could, could have predicted that Duke would have multiple 30-point performances and be a leader in the Big East and assists and points, and, and yet... At times when we need it most, it's not there. It, the inconsistencies were shining. And now all the Friar fans that were ripping apart Twitter the past couple days because Duke didn't get first team or because were Duke wasn't considered for Big East Player of the Year, we're all eating our words right now because he went out there and he proved us right. And I don't want to knock the kid because I think he's a hell of a player. If he stays and develops next year, he's going to be a lottery pick. But it was just way too inconsistent. And we've been saying how long now about both Duke and Reeves. When you look at Reeves's first game in Providence, we've been saying since then that, all right, they just need, they'll develop this year and then they're going to be a lottery pick. Well, been here for three years and it hasn't happened. And this team, I mean, this team lacks that killer instinct. It's something you hear about in all sports about how sometimes a team needs to learn how to win. I don't think the Friars have that right now. The Friars have had that toughness in the past. I think Cooley's generally really good at instilling that toughness in his players. But like you said, deja vu with that 18-19 team. The biggest issue that team had that wasn't X's and O's was with the mentality. They just didn't really know how to win. They couldn't get the key shots when they needed to. And I don't think that it's a, a, a coincidence that that was David Duke running a lot of the show at points that year, too. And I don't, this isn't a knock on him, but he's not that guy, at least not right now in his career. His dribbles aren't good enough. He's not quick enough on offense, and he doesn't hit his shot consistently enough. His vision isn't there. I mean, he's not Chris Dunn in a lot of different ways. And he doesn't hit those shots. He doesn't make those plays at either end of the floor. And he he needs to get to that next level if he wants to get into the NBA if he wants to stick in the NBA, and certainly if he wants to come back to Providence and make a difference next year, got to find that next level. Yeah, you're right, Mac. I, I, I want to put this disclaimer out there because I know Friar Twitter tends to be aggressive as I, as I continue to angrily yell about the team in my bedroom, but um, we're not knocking David Duke. We'll both admit that he is a hell of a player. He's we, There's a reason we thought... And we were so offended that he was on second team all conference. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there's also the rumor that he could leave and try and test the waters for the NBA. But let's take let's take a look at the season here. You get second team all conference. You're one of the leading scorers, but you get second team. What does that tell you about what the coaches say about you Mm -hmm. in what could have been a momentum turning Big East tournament game? You put up seven points on two of nine shooting. 
and you lose to the worst team in the conference, the absolute worst team in the conference. You think NBA scouts are like, oh, yeah, I got my eyes on him because he put up a couple of 30-point performances. No. They want the all-around player that played consistent throughout the year. If Duke stays and develops and gets the tr- the full summer to develop and gets a full season to play next March, all the NBA scouts will be salivating over him. It's just... Oh, man. Big well, I, picture I think... here. It, a lot's changed in a year. Yeah. And we're going to do... We're going to have a podcast later once we give this game some time to breathe. But we're going to talk about the full season. We're going to do a little bit more in-depth stuff. But, yeah, this game, it's a microcosm of the season. Team that shows hard points but is inconsistent and doesn't get enough scoring from its main guys. I mean, you compare it. Uh, there's a, a metric out there. or There's a, I don't know how to describe it. There's 12 factors that are measured um, when you look at like NCAA tournament teams and teams that win in March. One of the factors that I always remember is that you got to have four guys that average in double figures. Well, this team has probably five or six guys that could be a threat to score in double figures every game, but really only two guys that do it. Yeah. And that's been the problem all year long. Nobody developed next to Watson and Duke. So when they, I mean, obviously some of these guys are going to have off nights and that's okay, but it's still, it's, it's two guys in double figures. And DePaul also had two guys in double figures, Charlie Moore, 21, Freeman Liberty, 21. But I'm wondering, this is DePaul, the bottom team in the conference. If you want to play with the top dogs, you got to have scoring depth. You got to have a lot of guys that can consistently knock down shots and give you what you want. Either that or you have to play absolute elite lockdown defense. It's one or the other. You got to be like a Virginia level defense, basically, or you got to knock down those shots. And they're just not doing that. That's big picture. If you look at player development, I think that's where that kind of comes under focus. But Duke seven, Reeves six, Bynum five. That's why you lost. Seven, six, and five points from those guys. And a combined seven turnovers as well. <laughs> you can't have that. You just need those guys I mean, to play better. You're you're one hundred percent right, Matt. Um, excuse my dog barking in the background. Uh, yeah, he's not happy about the loss either. But look, I think a great game to look at is the Xavier game. You had five guys in double figures. Your backcourt was electric. Bynum wasn't you know great. He had ten points. Right, it's not like he was blowing the doors off, but ten points in an efficient performance at the at the one. That's all you need, right? That's really, it's it's very simple in the Big East to to. Well, it's actually not simple, but in theory, it's very simple. If you want to win a basketball game, you have to play tight defense, and you have to have multiple scoring contributions. Sure, sometimes you can have the two guys scoring high in double figures, and that'll push you over the edge. Not tonight. Not against the DePaul team that was playing like they were playing in the national championship. Mm-hmm. And our 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 weaknesses and our flaws were on full display tonight. We we could not defend and we couldn't score. It was the story of the season all wrapped up into one with uh Dave Lato sitting on top, smiling because he knows he's gonna get fired. I don't know. I don't know if he knows he's gonna get fired. I'm just saying that because he sucks as a head coach. 
it's probably getting fired, and I don't think this saves him. But it's, I mean, the team team is soft right now. The team doesn't hit shots. And Ed Cooley said post game, his guys have to be aware that changes are coming. Not entirely sure what that means yet. Don't know if that's behind the scenes or in teams of personnel. If guys are transferring, I, I we're gonna have to see what that means. And that's we got a whole off season here. It's March. Fire basketball, in all likelihood, will not return until November. Great. So it's a lot of time to think, a lot of time for changes to be made, and a lot of time for uh, us to just be talking heads and speculate about what could happen. Because that's fun. But, yeah, I mean, it's, this team doesn't have that mental toughness. Uh, I'll tell you, Matt, last March uh, I felt, oh, this has been some hell of a year, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. And, you know, I, I saw a tweet out there before that it was like, you know, it's just college basketball and – the end of the day the world is getting better so go out and and enjoy things and that's all fine and true but for a lot of people that have been stuck in their house for the past year college basketball and sports in general was an escape i mean you Mm -hmm. look at us we've put out how many podcasts over the span of the season like this was our escape from the pandemic otherwise i spend 12 hours hunched over double screens in the corner of my bedroom while wearing slippers and pajamas until eight o'clock at night college basketball is like our escape from the reality that you can't go outside and you can't go in public because there's a deadly virus floating around. And, and yet here it is. It's like you're, it's like you're escaping to more poison at this point. Yeah. It's, it was really bittersweet. I woke up, I woke up this morning, checked my time hop. And a year ago today is when the Ivy league canceled their tournament. And I quote tweeted that and I used the that gif of Michael Scott from the office where he's he's making some face, some awkward face, and it was just I captured it lo- looks at the big east nervously. And at the time it was mostly a joke. They're not gonna cancel the Big East tournament. Here we are a year later. Obviously we know what happened and it's the craziest year of everybody's life right now and you know what? I mean, as tough as the season was, this was a good escape. The Friars team was entertaining to watch for the most part. Gave us something to talk about, and it's certainly going to give us more to talk and think about going into the future, but certainly not the way we wanted or expected things to go. I'm willing to give this coaching staff and some of these players not a free pass, but a little bit more wiggle room than usual, given the circumstances. And I think that goes across all of college sports. And I think any fans that are listening right now, you should apply a little bit of leniency everywhere because everybody knows what's going on. Everybody's struggling to some degree, and the players are no exception to that. So before you go and tweet at somebody or start making some comments somewhere on the internet about these guys, just take a second to think about the fact that these are 18 to 22-year-olds who are still growing and learning about themselves, who have been dealing with this while trying to prepare themselves for i mean a guy like duke trying to prepare himself for the nba while going through this stuff mentally forget about the physicality and working out and playing basketball and all it's just the mental side of that is so difficult so let's all take a step back here and look at the bigger picture the friars had a tough season but they're going to be back there's going to be changes but i think we'll find some reasons to be optimistic about next year well we're going to see what happens. We're going to go with the flow because that's what the Friars are all about. As tough as this loss is, you got to find a way to be optimistic about it. 
Ed Cooley is a good coach. The program's not where anybody expected it to be. But this loss is not on him, I don't think. I think it's just more so a reflection of this year and this season and where everybody's at right now. And sometimes you just got to put it in the rearview mirror, say that was weird, and move on to something different. <sighs> There's no, I, mean, I know we don't do game balls for losses, Joe, but I feel like we got to give honorary game balls to Goodine and Andrew Fonts just for getting in this game and making some kind of a difference and showing a spark. Um, yeah, I mean, Goodine was great defensively. He was rebounding. He was active. He deserved every second he got on the court. He deserved to play much more than Reeves and much, much more than Greg Gant, especially defensively. Mm-hmm. And Fonts on the bench, uh, I mean, you want to talk about his impact on the floor. On the bench, he was vocal. He he was he was a yelling, and I think he's a senior, right? That He was. Yeah, this is a he knew too. it was his last. He knew it was his last game, and you could tell. So, hats off to those two. That they are, they get the the honorary loss game balls. But let's wrap it up because I want to go, I want to go to bed so I can restlessly toss and turn until three a.m. thinking about the loss. <laughs> yeah, this is one of those nights, and this is going to be a tough season to swallow. But for our time, we're going to move onwards, and we're going to see what else there is to come. Even though the season for the Friars is over, make sure you stay with us. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at the Flex Hoops and wherever you're listening to this, because we're going to have more content coming out. We will have a full season recap at some point. Hopefully we'll provide you with some interviews, some other Friar content. And March Madness is still around the corner. I know you all still love college basketball. So we're going to try to do some some fun stuff for that, too. March is still a very, very fun month. And we, I think we can all still not when you lose. Not, not, not when, when you lose. lose. But we can appreciate some college basketball still. So stay with us for that. We're going to try to keep bringing you content. We love doing this. We love hearing from you. And we love talking about the Friars, win or lose. So for Joe Howie, I am Matt St. Jean. And thank you, all of you wonderful people, for listening to us all season long. <laughs>